Hi everyone, just a heads up. Today's episode includes a conversation about sexual abuse. So please keep that in mind before you listen. Thanks. Hello to everybody who's bouncing back from your booster shot. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. A show where I get to talk to people on the phone. Simple as that. It sounds simple, and it is simple. That's how we've gotten so many great conversations over the years. Thank you for supporting the show. There's people who've listened to all 300 plus of these things who've been with me since day one. I want you to know I appreciate you. Whether you found it on day one or whether last week was your first episode, welcome. Appreciate everybody who listens. Today's episode is a really meaningful one. It's got a lot of layers on it, uh, a lot to talk about. Before we get there, I want to say, um, just to give you a heads up, Later in the week, uh, I got a new book out. It's kind of a mini book. It's not a full-length thing compared to other books I've written. But I think you guys will really like it. It's called Dad on Pills. It can come in ebook form or audiobook form. And I just wanted to give you a heads up. Keep an eye on your feed. We're going to put out a chapter of the audiobook as well as information on how you can get the book. So I wanted everybody to know. You're going to see a little supplemental beautiful anonymous drop in your feed coming up. That's my book. And I'll, I'll hope you check it out because I, I get to do these things sometimes, but I'm not as popular as I was a few years ago. And you guys have, if you listen to the show, you know that that's something that I've talked about a lot. If you support this one, it just greatly increases the chances that I get to find more opportunities in life. And these opportunities allow me to make art. They allow me to have a career, allow me to pay my mortgage. They allow me to take care of my family. And none of that is your responsibility, but I would just so genuinely appreciate it if you gave it a shot, listen to that free sample, maybe click the links that uh, will allow you to check it out. So keep your eyes open for that. Keep your ears open for that. And I hope you enjoy it. It's all about what it's like being a dad while dealing with mental illness. And uh, it's funny. It's heartfelt. You might like it. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Now, this week's call, uh, man, this was uh, this is a tough one. It's a very, very tough one. You're going to hear that the the call in the beginning is not the same as it is at the end. Uh, the caller has tension in her home. Caller is of school age and talks about what it's like losing a scholarship. There, there's a lot going on. And then what we hear is the episode takes a really dark turn where the caller starts opening up to me about some stuff that they have not opened up to anybody about. And this has happened from time to time on the show, and it feels like a, a true responsibility. And I try to handle things thoughtfully. And most of all, I want the caller to know that I appreciate the trust, and I hope that finding help from qualified people has gone well and continues to go well. And if you are out there and you are listening to this, really, I feel so proud of the caller for being open both for herself and also because you might be someone out there suffering from something thinking about getting help, thinking about telling someone. And I hope you do. And I hope you find those resources that are out there just for that. There are people out there in your life and in the world of, of being professionals who want to help. They're out there. They want to help. So get out there, be open, share your stories, find the help you need. Much love to you. Much love to the caller. This is a tough one, but I also think a really, really valid one. And I hope people get a lot out of it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, that's a lot better. Oh, my God, thank God. I was freaking out. I was like, no. <laughs> I'm going to restart the clock. I stopped the <laughs> clock. Let's restart it. So what's up? What do you want to talk about today? Um, well, I just, um, I, I guess. I haven't really um, sought any, like, therapy or help, um, and I don't know. I have my first uh, therapy session <laughs> tomorrow, actually, um, and I have always 
been really anxious about opening up to people. And I just felt maybe calling this line would kind of aid me, <laughs> open me up since it's anonymous and stuff. And I don't have to be so direct <laughs> as if with therapists. I don't know if that's a well, that's cool. I mean, I cannot take the place of a therapist, and I don't claim to, but I'm I'm happy to hear you're going. Happy to hear that uh, you're taking the plunge, because I know for me it's helped so much. Yeah. Uh, I know you can't take the place of a therapist. I just felt that maybe if I talked to someone else um, just about myself, I wouldn't feel so awkward tomorrow. <laughs> happy to be your um, practice room. Happy to be a practice run for the therapist, sure. <laughs> I also really wanted to talk to you as it is, though. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast, not for a really long time, but I work a 12-hour shift. So uh, I, I've been going through your podcast, and I've, I just love every single one. And you oh, just seem like awesome. a really cool person, too. Thanks. <laughs> now, wait, what kind of work are you doing that there's 12-hour shifts? Um... I work at a factory, uh, pretty much a lot of manual labor. It's really easy, at least in the area that I'm in currently. Um, it's really easy work. It's just that it's really long hours. And I also work night shift. So your podcast really helped me get through my shift, really. <laughs> That's good. Happy to hear that. And I keep hearing, you, you read all this stuff lately that workers are not putting up with nonsense right now. You hear that people are walking off the job. You hear that employers are, are having to have a little bit of reckoning that they got to treat people better. You finding that at all on these overnight shifts? Oh, definitely. Especially night shifts. A lot of people are already fed up, especially if they're just not having it. Uh, I'm actually really happy to see that, though. We, as like ISO factory workers, should be treated better, especially since we're around a lot of dangerous equipment. Um, so. It is easy work, but, you know, you also run the risk of getting hit by a forklift driver. <laughs> so I feel a lot of new workers, hires. We got a bunch recently, and I've seen a lot of them walk out because they can't last the full 12 hours or they don't like the way our boss talks to them in some type of way. So it's kind of encouraging. I kind of want to walk out, too. <laughs> oh, you're about to be out. I've been thinking about it a lot, yeah. I'm not exactly happy there. It's not where I saw myself at at this point in my life. Um, with the pandemic and bills and everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Well, I, I got to say, it ma makes me very happy to hear that people are, are not putting up with nonsense. And, you know, you use the phrase easy work. And it's like, yeah, if the work's easy, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that the people are somehow expendable or you know should be talked to in a way that has less dignity to it i'm glad to see there's like this upswell of people drawing some lines in the sand about that i think it's long overdue oh definitely it's really interesting to see how the higher management is reacting to all of it because they're realizing that oh shit like we don't have that many workers anymore we were super understaffed for a really good minute I mean, I think a lot of places are understaffed, actually, but it's just they're now they're actually taking our concerns seriously, especially when we bring like safety concerns or just our breaks and everything. Just because we work night shifts and doesn't mean you know <laughs> like you can treat us any different. Yeah, management. That's just, who <laughs> likes management. Anytime anyone says that word, management. <laughs> Okay I definitely that. do not. <laughs> I don't like my manager. <laughs> He's very mean. So that's kind of the reason why I'm like, I want to get a different job, but it's a really good paying job <laughs> for me to save up money and then be able to, you know, go to school full time and not worry about my bills as much. Uh, have you Have you gone to school at all or is that you're saving up to make that the goal so you can get into school? Uh, I went to college for about a year and a half. And then um, a bunch of stuff happened in my life where I, I didn't exactly get the best grades in my classes as I should have. 
I blame myself a lot for that though, but I ended up uh, losing the scholarship that I had. <laughs> and so the school I was going to, it was kind of expensive, so it couldn't make ends meet. So I just had to stop going and I decided to start going to community college because it was more affordable for me since I no longer had, you know, the backup of a scholarship to pay for my classes. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's a good goal. Get back into school, save up, count the pennies, wait for that day where you could turn to this mean manager and be like, I am officially out. Goodbye. <laughs> and this, it enjoy the look on his mean old face. I'm psyched for you on that. Yeah. I want to make a dramatic walkout. You do? Have you seen any means. good dramatic ones? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've worked at uh, this at a fact this is like a factory i'm working at now and then at a warehouse that i worked at before i've seen another like multiple dramatic walkouts um and it's really empowering like i said i mean i feel bad for the person you know to have reached that level where they're like fuck you guys out <laughs> and they like, curse them out and all that but at the same time it's like yeah go do it because <laughs> i can do it <laughs> i like that how old are you I'm 20. 20. How do I sound? I feel I don't really know how I sound over the phone. <laughs> I would say you sound 20. I would say this is right on target. <laughs> okay. Well, that's nice to know. Yeah. I would say yeah. accurate to your age. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually turning 21 next month so oh that's fun 21 yeah <laughs> now that i was gonna ask are you gonna like go out and party and stuff as is traditional but then i realized if you're working this night job that must mess with your social life too huh yeah it's a little hard to uh, keep up with that because uh even most of my friends i've kept in contact with still go to college and i had to move further out from the city I was originally from and taking my classes because it was too expensive to live there as well. Um, so it's just been hard because now I'm further away and I'm also awake at the time that everyone else is asleep. <laughs> That's a bummer. So do you, ha do you have 21st birthday plans or no? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to go drinking with my friends. I'm just excited to be able to, you know, slap down my ID on the bar and be like, give me a drink. <laughs> uh, instead of having someone else buy it for me. <laughs> My 21st birthday was a fiasco. I was passed out by like four in the afternoon. It was a bad scene. Really? Oh, wow. yeah. Well, I, I worked at a magazine called Weird New Jersey. Best job I've ever had. No offense, Beautiful Anonymous. But it was, I mean, it was a magazine <laughs> about haunted places in New Jersey. It was the best. And my bosses, oh, wow. it was just me. I was the only employee. Two guys owned the company. I worked really closely with the one guy. And then... They found out my 21st birthday was coming up and uh, they came and picked me up at my house instead of me driving to work. And they said, we're going to do an article where we take you to like all the best daytime bars in New Jersey, like all the old man bars. And there's a town called, oh, Cl uh, town called Clifton that had bars that were open at like six in the morning because of overnight workers. Like they had the bars that were open super early in the morning for yeah. people on their way home from the <laughs> night shift and we, so we went out <laughs> drinking at like 7 a.m. and then all over Jersey and it did not end well for me. And I could, I'm, I haven't had a drink in many years because I can't, I can't hold my liquor very well. And uh, yeah, that ended with my friends from college were so I was supposed to go home, eat some food, take a break and then head down to New Brunswick, my college town. My friends from college came to pick me up. They found me passed out in my underwear in the bathroom oh, wow. of my mom's house. And they said, oh, look at this sorry sight. And that was my 21st <laughs> birthday. So I hope yours is a little, a little more together than mine was. <laughs> that sounds like a good story, though. <laughs> it was okay. tell now that <laughs> I quit. I quit drinking before I was 22. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. That 21st birthday was. Uh, that was just kind of how I was with drinking. I'd be like, "All right, if we're gonna go do it, let's go do it until it's a fiasco." And people in my life would be like, "Or." hear me out we could just have a couple drinks uh with dinner and i'd be like or a couple drinks with dinner and then let's everybody grab a 40 and rampage around town 
So I realized it was not for me. It's not for me. I had I had some demons, you know, and the booze brought them out. Yeah. Now I'm kind of concerned because I don't know. That kind of sounds like me <laughs> when, uh -uh. when I go out drinking, but not like super crazy. But I do, you know, like to go out to uh, drink with my friends. Hmm. Interesting. That just put something into perspective right now. <laughs> Uh-oh, that was not the reaction I was hoping for necessarily. My tales of drinking excess rang that true to her, but okay, take a deep breath, Gather. I'm now officially a dad looking out for the younger callers from that dad perspective. I could feel it in my guts. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and get back to being an impartial host. We'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. And I'd be like, or couple drinks with dinner, and then lets everybody grab a 40 and rampage around town. So I realized it was not for me. It's not for me. I had, a, I, I had some demons, you know, and the booze brought them out. Yeah. Now I'm kind of concerned because, I don't know, that kind of sounds like me <laughs> when, uh -uh. when I go out drinking. But not, like, super crazy. But I do, you know, like to go out to uh, drink with my friends. Hmm. Interesting. That just put something into perspective, right? Now. <laughs> oh, but listen. Well, I don't go out and make mm -hmm. your own mistakes, and don't think too hard about it unless it's really a problem. And if it is, you you take care of it. But don't think I'm not trying to harsh your harsh your buzz before your twenty first birthday. No, yeah, I understand. It's just uh, like uh, my family. I like I have a couple alcoholics in my family, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I personally don't think I'm. A like, I hope not. I mean, nobody has brought it to my attention. I don't know. I'm overthinking this now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> so you don't, you, you're 20, but you said you live further away from where you grew up. So you're not, you don't live with your parents anymore? No, I, uh, I moved out of my parents' house. I want to say just before my 19th birthday. Um, and I tried living in San Jose, but since when I, I moved out kind of rushed, it was, uh, not really the best way to move out. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. It's more of a impulse of the moment where I was fed up with everything and I just took my shit and I went out and, uh, I couldn't afford San Jose. Oh, sorry. Can you that's like, okay. that's okay. Well, that's <laughs> We can bleep it if you want. Or, I mean, that's a pretty major metropolitan area. I don't think. I think that. Yeah, I think it should be fine. <laughs> I just don't know. I know it's anonymous and stuff, and I I can forget. But I will be careful. Yeah, um, I pretty much couldn't afford it there, so I moved out with uh, my partner and a relative of mine, who is not exactly like he's honestly what a year older than me. But due to our family dynamic, like. I guess he's technically like my uncle. <laughs> um, so we moved out and it's just further away from the city and not that many people like to make the drive. <laughs> so it sounds like you don't have the best relationship with your parents. Not really. I, I no, not really. <laughs> I mean, after I moved out, they cut off like, I was paying my phone bill, but it was on their line, so they cut that off, and then they didn't talk to me, and I, I honestly just kept my distance after that, just based on their reaction. Uh, so I didn't talk to them for a couple months, and my birthday came around, and they didn't message me, so I knew, wow. like, that kind of hurt, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, I was hurt. I didn't want to talk to them even more after that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. It's not your fault. <laughs> Can I just be blunt and ask uh, what their problem is? Um, well, my, well, just to, honestly, they're really traditional. Uh, they come from Mexico. And uh, so I was technically born there, but I came to the United States when I was two. So I don't really have much of a memory. And um, so I was, I basically kind of grew up in the United States and they 
are really pushy with the whole the woman has to be in the kitchen and they have to serve the man. And then my mother uh, met my stepdad and that just kind of made everything worse with all of that. I, I just, I never met my dad. I'm sorry, I totally left that out. So I, I have a mom and a stepdad, but I never met my dad because my mom never told him that she was pregnant and then she came to the United States. So I don't know. <laughs> So I only knew of my stepdad when he came into my life when I was like around, I want to say eight, seven years old. All right. Yeah, I see. You definitely have some stuff to talk about with a shrink tomorrow, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to trauma dump or anything, but they're kind of there for that too. But (laughs) who is the shrink? The shrink is there for the trauma dump? I mean, isn't that why people go to therapy? Yeah, I was going to say, don't be bashful. You're paying good money for this. You're paying good money. I say that all the time. I'm like, I've said that to my shrink. I'm like, I pay you money to hear my side of the story and let me vent any crazy thought that comes in my head. And then you tell me which parts are, are sound accurate, which parts don't, and how to, what actions to take to fix up the parts that seem off kilter like that's one of the main things i pay i pay i pay good cash <laughs> so i have somebody who just listen to me get it all off my chest and then the other people in my life um are given the are given the gift that they don't have to deal with either me throwing it all on them or bottling it all up and being a nightmare in that way so yeah that's what it's for go for broke have awesome. fun, have fun. <laughs> i'm just nervous i i don't uh I just don't know, really. I was just really nervous. I'm still really nervous about, like, I know it's a step because I need to talk to someone about, like, other issues I have, and I don't think it's okay to, uh, you know, just dump all of my issues on everyone around me. (laughs) Well, it's part of processing them, right? And then I I have found consistently in my life what happens. I have these things that feel insurmountable and these things that I'm, I'm keeping inside, and these things that I'm nervous for other people to hear because I don't want them to judge me or um, I don't want them to feel, you know, like you're indicating, like I'm just sending this tidal wave of stuff their way. But then what I have found consistently is when I go and I see my shrink, I tell it to her and she's like, yeah, all right. And it's like, she's heard a thousand times worse, a thousand times over. And it's not even about like judging my problems against other people. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, let's get to work. And it, and mm-hmm. then you realize, oh, that helps reframe the conversation for everybody. You know, that's one of the things that's nice about it. So I'm like, oh, I said it out loud to you and it felt like such a big deal to say it. And then the way you reacted made me realize, okay, the next time I tell somebody this, it's not that big a deal. And that's one of the, that's yeah. one of the gifts of therapy that I really enjoy is you get to break the seal on all this stuff and kind of have somebody there to, see how they react and it help it helps guide how you how you sort of like uh interact with with your own feelings and that information moving forward it's a good thing i like it is what i'm saying i like therapy have people heard that before <laughs> on this show i'm a fan <laughs> yeah actually uh, uh listening to your podcast really helped with that because um i was it's just you know I need it. I just know I need it at this point. <laughs> and I feel like everyone should go to therapy, you know? I feel like everyone has a little bit of something going on. So uh, I mean, I need to be more open to it. I just grew up in a family that didn't really talk about their feelings. So I don't really have, uh, like, I don't think I've matured emotionally as I should have for my age. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's time to turn that corner. And, and, like you said, I mean, if you're also growing up in a household that's really traditional and is like very patriarchal and that's not you, and then it's, you know, you were, I don't think you were gossiping or spilling tea, but, you know, you're also saying this, I've got a stepdad in the middle of this and you go, you got, you, it sounds to me like connecting some dots. Okay. You got your mom, very traditional household. You got your stepdad who's maybe used to having everything done the exact way he wants it. And then you're sitting here going, you're my stepdad. Like, I appreciate that you raised <laughs> me, but 
also who are you and that's my mom and I don't necessarily like the way that you're you know the tone that you're setting or the way you're speaking there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of assumptions to be made in what you laid out and I don't want to assume too much but yeah that doesn't sound easy that was pretty accurate <laughs> got some dude in your house talking to your mom like she's a servant you don't like it that makes a lot of sense yeah it just I don't know it just was hard trying to explain that to them though if I ever tried to explain to them why I didn't want to serve him or it would, it would just felt a little bit obsessive in a way where if he was thirsty I had to go get water for him like this man could not do one thing for himself if he wasn't served on it was chaos <laughs> so if I ever mentioned anything about that it was always oh you think you're so American now like you grew up here like it just was always turned on me somehow <laughs> because I was born in Mexico, but I also don't, I never, I didn't grow up there like they did. And uh, there's like that little dividing that between us where they claim I'm too American and uh, all this and that. That's a really unfair thing considering they brought you here. You were two years old, you know? <laughs> They, right? <laughs> for someone to turn around and be like, oh, you think you're American now? It's like, well, yeah, because you moved me to America when I was still a tiny, impressionable child figuring out the very basics of life. And I bet that's some, I would have to imagine there's a lot of first generation kids who run into that, of having that held over their heads. Uh, and what do I know? I mean, I'm second generation, right? My mom was the first one born here in her side of the family. Um, mm hmm but I bet that happens all the time. I'm like, oh, you think you're American. And it's like, well, why'd you bring me here if you didn't want that, right? Like if you didn't, if you didn't want those opportunities and you didn't want a, some sort of shift to happen, why did you make such a massive life decision? Why did you change so much? That's not cool. Really not. But they don't, they don't hear that. I've told them that before. And it's so funny hearing you say that too. It just made me feel validated because they... They just don't hear me when I say things like that. It just goes back to just uh, attacking other things to, you know, distract from the actual conversation. <laughs> well, it's also, I also have to imagine too, and look, I mean, you're working overnight shifts in a factory, like the, you know, you're telling me how you're dodging forklifts. Like, you're a hardworking person, but prior generations... And I think even mine is on the tail end of this. People my age, it's all about like work and you define yourself via your value of work. Like work is what makes you identify your, your self-worth. And then on top of that, I feel like immigrant cultures very, very often feel that of like hit the ground running, get to work, prove, prove you know, whatever you're proof, whether it's proof that this sacrifice was worth it, proof that you belong, like shut up any, anyone who wants to say anything by out hustling everybody else. And then I also feel like the cliche and I, I don't want to traffic in stereotypes, but certainly it's, it's one of those things of, you know, having lived in, in New York as, as long as I did and Queens in particular, you sit here and you go, man, there is a stereotype that ignorant people like to say Mexican people are lazy. And then you go, have you ever seen a Mexican person at work? Have you ever seen what happens when a Mexican person decides to get a job done? Like you just see, I, I was in, I was in Queens, huge immigrant neighborhood. You just go like, Oh, that's the most inaccurate stereotype on planet earth. How did that one even start? Because people hustle hard. So it seems like there's so much of that. Meanwhile, 20 year olds today, you're all making it very, very clear of it's And it's yeah. not just first generation people. It's, it's like, I feel like it's anybody who signed up for TikTok and understood it, which is not me. I, I tapped out at Snapchat, Snapchat. I was like, I don't know what this is. I have no idea what this is, but I feel like all like people your age are going like my self-worth isn't going to come down to what kind of job I have. And this whole idea that kids need to be up and out the door at 6 a.m. and they need to go to school till 4 p.m. And you read a lot of stuff now of people going like, well, th is that the best way to educate a child? Or are you just kind of indoctrinating them to feel like that's how it's going to, you know, for the workforce? You have yeah, people, I actually just read about that too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's your generation that's starting to ask these very interesting questions about self-worth 
and monetary worth and occupational worth. So I have to imagine that, you know, you're, you're in a circumstance where right there, there's going to be some huge differences between you and your family, let alone if everything is also like, all right, when he gets home, he needs a foot rub and everybody's going to drop what they're doing to make sure his back's not sore. Like that's just, that's just another step beyond. Yeah, definitely. But it's pretty cool. It's cool for people my age to watch people your age and to sit here and go, oh, they're calling bullshit on all the stuff that stresses me (laughs) out. That's cool. That's really cool. (laughs) So much stress in my life just comes down to work and finances. And then I'm watching people your age go, I'd rather have less money and more time. And then people my age are going like, but wait, but then who's going to, who's going to (laughs) drive, who's going to drive the delivery trucks? And and you guys are all going like, yeah, go figure that out. I don't want to, I'd rather not. I don't define myself worth by my ability to punch a uh, time clock every day. That's not how I'm going to do it. And it's cool. It's cool to see this reckoning. And I hope that it, I hope that it keeps going and I hope it has some long lasting effects. Oh, I hope so too. <laughs> it needs to change. It really does. It's, I just, I had just read about, um, I don't know, an article about that, how they do send us to school for that long in order to prepare for their workforce and not mainly for people who can actually help in society. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying it's like mentally preparing them to be able to go to, for example, my job, like a factory setting, like a warehouse where it's pretty much easy work but it's just it's just setting you up for that and I'm frustrated that I'm even working at a factory right now (laughs) I want to leave it because I'm feeling all of that of I hate management I hate how you guys treat us and I want to do more with my life so that's I'm just trying to uh do a hella overtime and um get out of there I've even you know as a parent you read all so much stuff about how to raise a kid raise a kid and one of the things I was reading that was very interesting to me was how there's some article that was encouraging you, like, don't ask your kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Cause that's going to tunnel vision them in on an occupation. Ask them what types of things are you interested in? What types of things get you excited to study? What types of things do you want to learn about? What places do you want to see? But this idea of what do you want to be when you grow up? You go, well, that's, that's setting the parameter. You, as soon as I read that, I was like, yeah, that does set the parameters in a weird way as a kid. I remember my mom always laughs because when I was real little, people would ask me what I wanted to be when I would grow up and I would say a sandwich. And everybody thought that was real <laughs> cute. But I think back to that now, I'm like, oh, right. Because that question is not really natural to a little kid that you just grow up and, you, and you're going to just be one thing. And that's what you're going to be. What do you want it to be? It's not a natural thought for a kid. We train ourselves for that. Yeah. That's cute, though. You wanted to be a sandwich? <laughs> I did. I, st- I still feel like hope is alive. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I don't know if I'm the bread or the <laughs> filling or the condiment or what, but who knows? Knock on wood for me, everybody. Maybe someday I'll be a sandwich, finally, after all these years. <laughs> you could be the whole sandwich. You don't have to be a part of it. <laughs> now, when you're working overnights, listening to podcasts, this one among them, do you ever sit there and fantasize about how you're going to quit the job someday. Because you've said you think about it. So do you ever think about what would be the most epic way to do it? Oh, yeah. I am I do. <laughs> Oof, who doesn't dream of the epic walkout? So I hope that epic walkout happens someday. I bet we're all brainstorming the best way to pull our own epic walkout right now. Let's think about that. Let's hear out these advertisers. And then we'll be back with more phone call. Thanks again to all the advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. Do you ever sit there and fantasize about how you're going to quit the job someday? Because you've said you think about it. So do you ever think about what would be the most epic way to do it? Oh, yeah, I'm, I do. <laughs> I, I, I really want to go off on the, um, on the manager, particularly just, go off on him I think that would really help because I don't think anyone has ever stood up to that man 
he, he feels very entitled just because he has that job title, but he's not scary. He just has a really mean face and likes to act scary because he wants to intimidate his workers instead of actually getting to know them or, I don't know, actually know our names, <laughs> for one. He doesn't know your name? No. There's so many workers there. He does not know anyone's name unless it's a favorite or someone that can benefit him in some way by bringing the numbers up and making him look good for his boss. He doesn't care. And a lot of people are upset. And I know a lot of people are going to quit soon. It's scary because I'm probably not going to leave until the end of this year. So (laughs) we're going to be understaffed again, I know. And does that mean you get to pick up more money, like uh, more overtime and stuff? Or does that just mean you work harder? Um, well, overtime for sure. But yeah, it just makes everyone work harder. If we don't have enough people at every station, that means we're struggling, you know, and then they still get mad at us somehow because we don't have enough people. <laughs> Even though it's not our fault and we're trying our best with what we have, but you can't expect to keep the same number going when half your crew quit because Mm -hmm. they didn't feel like they you know you were treating them right so i don't know let's see so you were in school you were on a scholarship you left your living situation with your folks this meant you had to get a job things had to come together fast scholarship fell apart you're not you're not thrilled with some of the choices you made that led to some of those grades that you lost it. This is all within the past couple of years, if you're 20. I mean, this is this is very recent history. So where you're at now versus where you thought when you were graduating high school, did you see this coming? What, yeah. Or uh, <laughs> where did you think you were going to be? No, I didn't. I mean, I know they say that life is crazy and you never know how it's going to be and I was 18 and I was like, I'm going to move out and I'm going to have my own place and I'm going to be graduating from college when I'm 21, along with the rest of my friends. But it just didn't work out that way. (laughs) I'm excited for my 21st, you know, because I get, yeah, I can go to a bar now and get a drink. But at the same time, I'm getting filled um, with anxiety because I'm kind of seeing all my um, friends who I used to go to school with already getting to their last year. And I know you shouldn't compare yourself to others, but it's hard enough just because I'm trying and I can't help and I just feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, it's one of those ones where I go, you don't want to compare yourself to other people, sure. You know, you don't want it to become like a pissing contest, whose problems are worse, do I deserve to feel, you know, put upon compared to other people. But at the end of the day, too, there's something to be said for seeing other people and keeping them in sight as a way to build your own motivation and remind yourself of your priorities. I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, right? No, I guess not. (laughs) I just, uh, it's a lot. I just, feel disappointed in myself for having lost the scholarship because it was pretty much all there for me, you know, and now I don't have that. So I definitely feel like <laughs> the consequences of that now, but it all happened. And what happened there? Was it, were you partying a little too much or was it just too much, too overwhelming, too much workflow? Not, not used to, uh, not used to kind of, being able to call your own shots and it was hard to keep all the balls in the air, what happened? Uh, around the time that I moved out of my parents' house and uh, I just kind of got really <laughs> depressed around that time because I, I'm i very family-oriented because that's all I knew. And I was very close with my mom, or at least I thought it was. <laughs> so when I had given her... Um, Essentially, what happened is that I had come forward to her about, like, kind of, um, like, sexual assault slash molestation sort of when I was younger from a relative. And, um, oh, no. I had 
told her who it was, and she pretty much dismissed me. I'm sorry. Oh, well, that's way more serious. Yeah, I don't know. I thought we were. I thought we were really close. I'm sorry. I sound really mm-hmm, awful if I'm crying and talking at the same time. <laughs> but um, I, I just knew that. Once she dismissed me and totally just said, oh, just get over it. It wasn't that bad. It's okay. <laughs> um, because she had a really rough childhood and she's always reminding me. She's like, you never went through what I went through. So you don't know anything about pain or sadness. And my family doesn't believe in depression <laughs> or any mental illness. They just think that you just need to get up every day with a smile on your face and if you're not happy then something's wrong with you because you have a roof and food and you know all the materials to live so why aren't you happy and I have to understand her because I understand she had like we were very poor at least she was poor in Mexico and that's why they immigrated and we weren't exactly financially stable up until she met my stepdad so I tried to be understanding on that aspect, but being dismissed every time you tried to, you know, every time I tried to go to her over anything about that situation, when she dismissed me, I told her, it, it, I just broke my heart because <laughs> I thought we were really close and I just couldn't live there anymore because the relative also lived in that home and she was constantly forcing me to be okay with this person and I didn't want to I wanted to set my foot down you know yeah yeah and I mean I tell you what you and I have been talking for 40 minutes and I've never met your mom but I'll tell you something you didn't you didn't do anything wrong in the course of that you had somebody take advantage of you and then your mom sounds like your mom's a hardworking person. I'm not looking to judge. I, I sounds like she sacrificed immensely for you, but at the same time, I'm sure that caught her by surprise, and that reaction is uh, not fair to you. It's not right, you know. It's not right. <laughs> and I bet she has regrets, and I bet she thinks about it all the time, and I bet she doesn't know how to talk to you about it. What do I know right now? I'm being like an arm armchair shrink, which I'm. Not supposed to be, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you had to you had to get out yeah, of there. Yeah, it was just too you much. To get out I, of there. Just, I I didn't feel safe, and knowing that she knew and pretended like she didn't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I oh. felt really invisible. I felt like I had. Wait, so in, in the course of talking to her about this, you felt like you were about to reveal this to her and she kind of reacted in a way where she didn't seem surprised? Yeah, she was pretty much dismissive of it. And that's why I kind of hurt me even more because it, she doesn't talk, they don't talk about any problems. Everything's always supposed to be fine and it's so tiring. And she hasn't talked to me about it. We haven't talked about it at all. Um not really actually because she still has that relative living in her home. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it just, I don't know. It just kind of shows where she stands on that, I guess. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly out of my depth and I think, uh, you're going to have a conversation tomorrow. It's going to be one of the great conversations of your life with someone who's trained to help with these specific things and with trauma and 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 who went to school for it and that's good but I'll tell you a couple things one mm-hmm. is um just the older I get the more I realize that all of the bad stretches of my life loneliness is a factor just all the times where I felt like giving up, all the times where I felt at my worst, it's like whether that's depression or whether that's anger or whether that's hopelessness, hopelessness, they all feel incredibly lonely. 
And I can't imagine the loneliness of going to your mom, opening up about this thing that, you know, you've kept secret and you've probably been conditioned or told to keep it secret. And it takes an immense amount, you know, you kind of feel like you need to take a huge leap of faith to even open up about it. And then your mom bats it aside. I can't imagine how lonely that felt. Um, so I want you to know that while I can't feel that loneliness alongside you, I certainly see it's there. And hopefully that makes you feel a little less lonely in it. Thank you. You know, the other thing I'll say is, I mean, you're only 20. So, um, you know, I hate to even say it, but <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, the implication, well, the implication is that this has been happening not just within the past two years, that this is maybe something that was happening to you when you were a minor. And, uh, I also hope you know that, um, you know, your mom wants you to, you, you know, we were talking before about how your generation is one that isn't putting up with just viewing themselves as workers, that that's this cultural shift that seems like it just like really blindsided everybody. To finish the thought, I'm going to say, if this happened when you were young, you know, uh, you don't owe anybody protection and you can, uh, you can call the cops anytime you feel like, and if people want to get mad at you, then fuck them. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I've had some thought on that a whole lot. Um, but I just, I bet haven't, I don't know. I just haven't been able to bring myself to it. Really, um, I don't, I don't know. I guess I, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm too scared over everything. Uh, and I, I worry too much about everyone else except myself a lot of times. So a lot of things are like, how would they feel though? Or what about the whole family dynamic? And I just, I'm worried, I guess. I get it. I get it. And it's certainly not my call to make. And uh, you got to follow your gut wherever it leads you. But I do just want to put it out there that, you know, whoever it was, whoever it was that did this, that's uh, real evil and that's criminal. And I know you went to your mom and your mom kind of, for whatever reason, kind of pushed it aside. And I, 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 can ima only imagine how heartbreaking that is, but you're not wrong that this is awful and it's a crime and it shouldn't have happened and you didn't deserve it. And you should have had people helping you out of that situation. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really been able to open up about the whole situation and maybe that's why I haven't gone to the cops because... I just haven't dealt with it myself. So I don't know. And, you know, there's smarter people than I where I also know that the system can oftentimes put, you know, put the people in your situation through a lot of torment and more trauma. So it's not something that you have to do. But I also will just say right out of the gate, I'm sitting here going... Whoever it was that did this, I don't know them anything. And they sound they sound like a real piece of shit to me, and I hope they get what's coming to them, just on a basic level. Yeah. I hope so, too. Um, I just cut ties with them entirely, so that's, that's yeah. what I've been doing right now to help myself, at least for the time being. And you said it was your uncle, but age-wise, you're actually very close, and, and you both kind of split and got out of there together? Uh, well, he actually went through a whole divorce and had come back to California. <laughs> so it was kind of around the time that he was looking for a place to stay, and I had also moved out of my parents' house, and I was just 
sleeping at um, like my significant other's house. His parents were uh, nice enough to, you know, let me stay there for a couple months until I got back up on my feet a bit. And uh, my uncle came from out of state and we decided to move in together since we both needed a place to stay. So your uncle doesn't know about this this stuff that happened no not really <laughs> nobody really does other than um my significant other knows of you know trauma uh it's really hard for me to be intimate um yeah i just um i haven't told anyone else in my family <laughs> other than my mother and my significant other well and you now <laughs> so three people well, I, I thank you for, I thank you for trusting me with it. I mean, if it helps you get to the point where you know, even earlier in the call before you told me about all this, I was sitting here going, yeah, it seems like you're, you're young and school didn't break your way, and that's gonna mess with your head, and you're in these overnight shifts for this boss who sounds like a real jerk. You can see why therapy is a good idea. And then you throw this into the mix and you go, oh, of course, this is necessary. So yeah. I hope that as far as warming up to it, I hope that I hope that you get there. I hope you get there with your doctor right out of the gate. Cause I know I it it, it I have I have to imagine that every instinct is to hide this. And that's one of the reasons that's one of the ways that people who commit this crime it's why it's so insidious because they they kind of groom you and train you to hide it as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really honored that you'd open up to me. And I think I think when you open up to a doctor about it, they're going to be able to help immensely, immensely. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's doctors with training in this. They're going to be able to help you. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's that's the goal. <laughs> I want to be better. I don't want to uh, be stuck in this mess I feel of myself <laughs> that's the goal I want to be better <laughs> yeah I want you to be better too and you can get there and it's it's one of those things I remember when I was young and people telling me how young I was uh, and how it often felt very reductive so I hope it doesn't feel that way but I will say at the age of 20 things are still just beginning and I can see how you might look at your story and go oh you know, from the day we moved to the States up until the day I moved out, that's kind of the story of my life, but it's not. It's the story of your life thus far. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to come, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it actually really helps knowing that uh, when I uh, talk to people who are at least a little bit older than me or older than me in general, um, just knowing that they didn't have their shit together when they were 20 either. <laughs> you Not know, even close. <laughs> I didn't feel like life was cool until I was probably about 32, 33. <laughs> That's when all of a sudden I felt like, oh yeah, I think I'm starting to actually be able to grab life by the horns a little bit. It's not a... <laughs> It's not com not completely confusing and overwhelming all the time. I think I'm actually starting to feel comfortable in my skin. I'm 32 years old. Um, and I mean that sincerely. It was my early 30s where I finally was like, okay, I have a sense of who I am and my insecurities are starting to not define me. You're, you still got a solid decade before <laughs> anybody even expects you to have your shit together. You know? And you're already yeah. making active steps. You're going to crush it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, uh, it's been helpful knowing that. I, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I, I feel so rushed. Sometimes uh, I'm the oldest of uh, my siblings and my family. And now, now I just feel like I have to set up these expectations for them on uh, pursuing education. And these are just all things that were forced onto me <laughs> by my mother. And I'm trying to get out of that mindset and validating myself a little more that I'm only 20 <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but it's just a constant battle between yeah, those two <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you're a month away from being able to have your first drink and you're not even legally allowed to rent a car yet. <laughs> you're good. You got time. You got time. <laughs> you got time. And now you have siblings back in your mother's house. Are you are you in touch with your siblings or are they kind of cut off as well because of the whole situation with you getting out of there? Uh, well, I, I did get back in touch with them. After I moved out, they kind of cut me. Well, they got mad at me for cutting them out. <laughs> and then they cut me out. So I wasn't allowed to see my siblings for a while, which hurt. Uh, I took care of them for a lot of the time. So... It, I just weirdly, I just kind of, I'm super overprotective about them and it, it was really sucky, but I do get to see them. Um, the relative has been out of the country, so I've been going way more frequently this month because of that. Uh, just taking advantage of the fact that I can actually be okay with my siblings. They don't know about any of that. They're all really young. Um, the oldest, like the youngest is six years old, so they're all pretty. And then the other two are going into the little preteen phase, so it's kind of cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And are these then, technically speaking, are they your half-siblings? Your mom and your stepdad? Yeah, technically speaking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's siblings. And I hate to even ask, but the question screaming in my brain of just, I have to imagine you're pretty protective of them and you and you want to make sure these kids are not put in harm's way. Yeah. That's got to be a terrifying yeah. thing. It was one of the things I uh, still actually deal with to this day where I feel immense guilt for having left the house um, because I felt like I was a barrier or like at least I could protect them in some type of way. Um, but I ended up just, I don't know. I feel really selfish, I guess, for leaving. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I don't know what I'm talking about. And like I said, you're going to talk to, you're going to talk to a therapist who does. I get it. I get that the older kid might be able to go, okay, this awful thing is happening to me. At the very least I can, I can, I'm, you know, you hate to use language like this of like, I'm taking the hit. And I know that the younger kids are shielded from this. That's not a job for a young person. That's not a responsibility for a child. And I'm right there with you. I'm the one who brought it up of, yeah, someone needs to protect them, but you're one piece of that puzzle at best and you got to protect yourself too. And it's not, that is not on you. That is not on you. It's going to make sure whoever this criminal is that this stops this is not happening and that and that no one else is dealing with it that's a really important thing but it's not the answer is not that you need to stay in the house and endure anything on anybody else's behalf the answer is this person's a monster and it needs to be stopped yeah (laughs) yeah and i hope i wasn't just too dismissive there like i said I don't know. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I can just tell you, your job is not to be in that house to absorb things on behalf of your siblings to make sure they're okay. It's not, that's not, that's not anybody's job. That's, that's a, that's, that's another, that's another thing that allows people to get away with awful, awful stuff. In my opinion. No, yeah, it definitely is. And it I like I said, I'm still dealing with that where I constantly tell myself that it's okay. I had to I had to leave. I really couldn't stay there. Yeah. <laughs> I it was too much and um and I was very chaotic and all that, but I just had to leave and I have to keep reminding myself that I am valid for that. But since I basically took care of them since I was a kid. It was. It's just this whole attachment where I feel like I need to be there, and I don't need to feel that way because I. It's like you said, it's not my responsibility. But sometimes I just I get in my head about it, and I can't help but feel guilty. So that's what I'm working on. <laughs> I'm definitely working on all that. And 
That's good. And I'm glad you're seeing somebody who, who's going to be able to like break down some actual strategies because this is not easy. This is very complex and it's not, you know, the idea that you've spent all this time trying to figure out how to handle this yourself. I really, I'm really glad to hear that you're going to add, because this is, you're, you're, you know, I, like I said, I, I have a therapist and that's someone who I can just vent to and get all this stuff off my chest. You have someone now who's going to be a teammate in this and who's going to actually be able to give you resources and insight into how to deal with this. And, uh, that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm nervous and I'm excited. Uh, I don't know. It's just a whole lot of emotions. I'm just ready. I, I just need to grow emotionally and not let my past hold me back anymore. I just feel like I need to get back on track, you know? <laughs> I need to get my head back in the game. <laughs> yeah. It's time for you to take care of yourself. It's time to save up that money. If you want to go back to school, it's time for that game plan. As far as your siblings go, I, I feel like figuring out how to figuring out how to be protective and how to be their older sibling who takes care of them doesn't mean you have to put yourself in harm's way. I bet you're going to be able to build a strategy of how do I help protect my siblings without having to do that? How do I separate those two ideas? I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that someone can help you with that's going to allow you to get a lot of forward momentum on your own and that's going to help hopefully um, put out a lot of fires because this is very, very real stuff. Very, very real stuff. And you are not wrong for feeling overwhelmed. And and like I, I mean, you must feel like you're drowning a lot of the time. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. I don't Partially why I just um, ended up not really passing most of my classes during that time. And it was, it just, everything kind of felt worse when I lost the scholarship because I just, you know, it just made me feel more depressed about the whole situation. <laughs> um, so I just, I need to stop feeling bad for myself about that though. <laughs> it's happened. It's okay. Yeah. And look, it did happen. It is what it is. I'm sure in 10 years, 15 years, you're going to look back and go, was that a cry for help? Was that I needed to crash and burn it so that I could rebuild from the bottom? And Or I realized that being in school at that time was, you know, sort of giving me an excuse to get caught up in something else and not deal with it. Whatever it was, you had a lot of years to deal with that. Uh, but for now, you got to take care of yourself, and you gotta you gotta figure out your role in uh, in shutting this down and, and and helping to keep an eye on your on your siblings and making sure they're okay too, because it's really scary, really concerning. But you got a future, and you got time, and you got people who are ready to help. And I promise you, I am I'm I'm one of many people in your life who, when you open up to them about this, are gonna go. That is fucked up and it is not your fault. And and holy shit, to even be able to get out when you're 20, to be able to pay your own rent, to be able to lock down a job, to be able to have a stable life in the face of that and to have goals and to have, you know, an eye on, on the prize of how to, how to move forward and how do you want to do so, you are already remarkably stronger than a lot of people, myself included. So... I'm far from the first person who's going to express things like that to you. I, I am positive of that. <laughs> I really needed that. <laughs> I just, I minimize all the things I do. I don't give myself enough props for what I'm doing. So. <sighs> oh my goodness. To be 20 years old, paying your own rent, paying your own bills, you get cut off. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, just right there, just right there to have your your shit together enough that you're actually paying the bills and, and getting it done. Even right there as a 20-year-old, it's commendable, let alone when, you know, the truth comes out that this was real chaos and actual abuse and 
a sense of being let down by your mom, a sense of having no safety net. It's miraculous. The fact that you're doing all the stuff you're doing right now is actually miraculous. So don't doubt that. Don't doubt that. Well, well, <laughs> thank you. Well, listen, our, uh, our time's up. I could talk all day, but I, I'm, like I said, I'm very honored that you trusted me to talk and I'm very happy that you're going to be talking to somebody with some training and, uh, and some ability to strategize. And also, like I said, um, as this stuff settles and you decide what you want to do, I'll just encourage you. Remember it's your choices and not your mom's choices not your family's choices. This this guy, uh, presumably guy, I don't want to, you know, not every time, but presumably Correct. this relative, <laughs> this guy's hiding behind tradition. I know you come from a country that's traditionally very Catholic. We all know that there's, that's another <laughs> way that people hide this yeah. stuff. This person's a manipulator and this person is wrong. And, uh, this person is not going to define you for much longer. And you've already taken some huge steps to make sure that's not the case. And there's, there's some even bigger ones coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciated talking to you today and I'm probably going to see you, your shows <laughs> hopefully. Um, so thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, make sure you say hi. I want to hear how you're doing. And uh, I, I, I really hope it works out. And yeah, please, uh, I'm just so happy to hear that you're taking steps towards that help because it, it makes me excited for you because these people who go to school, they're going to snap into action. They're going to know all sorts of resources. They're going to know all sorts of directions you can take this that are going to help you and help everybody. And uh, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you when I'm out on the West Coast. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Hope you feel better. I feel fine. Let me complaining because I got a shot. I'm starting off like, oh, my shoulder hurts. Jeez. Caller, thanks again for, for trusting me. And clearly you weren't sure if you were going to reveal all that when the call started, but you, you got there and it's very much an honor to feel your trust and I really hope that I provided you some comfort and I am rooting for you so so hard and I mean that thank you to Anita Flores for producing the show thank you to Marcus Hahn and Jared O'Connell for your engineering work our theme songs by Shell Shag go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me and hey wherever you're listening there's a button that says subscribe favorite follow something like that when you hit that button it helps us out so much you can find our latest merch at podswag.com Got mugs, shirts, posters, and more. Find ad-free episodes of Beautiful Anonymous and more of your favorite shows over on Stitcher Premium. Use the promo code STORIES for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. 